Ready to boost sales and grow your business without the BS? Welcome to the Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We'll be sharing actionable tips across marketing, sales, and growth without the BS to help you skyrocket your business. And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm delighted to be joined by Jeff Risley today. Jeff is the founder of the Sales Health Alliance. The Sales Health Alliance was created to empower salespeople and leaders to reach peak levels of sales performance and well-being through better mental health. Jeff, a very warm welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm pumped to be here, Sam. So I appreciate you you inviting me on. And yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation around a very uh, important topic right now with what's going on in the world. So thank you. Definitely, man. And, and like you say, especially with everything that we we know is always going around in, in terms of the environment, in terms of where we are, in terms of everything that's thrown, been thrown out of proportion and thrown out of place, thrown out of position with, with COVID in the times we're in. I think this is a, a really important topic for myself as well as everyone tuning in. And I'm, I'm really excited to, to chat through in, in terms of the tips and the stories you're going to share with us today, Jeff. So first and foremost, in, in business and in sales, why should we really be aware of our, of our mental health, do you think? Yeah, so if you, if you think about it, it's, it, it really drives everything that we're trying to do from a business standpoint. Uh, the best way I can kind of think about it is if you... Now pull apart a business or you pull apart sales and you get back, you take away the technology, you take away the script, you take away all of the coaching and all of kind of the sales strategies that we spend all this time implementing. And we, we, we pull that apart and get right back down to basic. We take it, the we take a first principles approach. What we have is essentially we have a person and we have a person that's entering a workplace or selling virtually and it's the health and well-being of that person that's going to drive performance across all of those different areas, all the technologies we're using, all the sales coaching and strategies, like the execution piece that we we, we, we worry so much about. Yeah. It all comes down to how healthy that person is. And right now, specifically with the world in, in lockdown for the most part and selling is primarily virtually, sales really has become a mental game. And the level of mental mistakes that are being made are going up due to the increased levels of anxiety and depression and burnout. So if you think about kind of the health of the brain and, you know, if you think about all these things, we want a good salesperson to be focused on, whether we want them to be more confident, more energetic, more enthusiasm, we want them to objection handle, negotiate better. It's linear to try and address some of those things individually. Like we provide coaching on negotiations and objection handling, and those can make meaningful, meaningful impacts on performance. But if you think about it, it all roots back to, the health of the brain. So if you can improve the mental health by 1%, it's going to have an exponential impact on all of these different areas that we're trying to improve on a regular basis. So that's where it's like, we need to shift our conversation and, and think about how big an opportunity we have when we think about the well-being and the mental health, health of our people every day. Yeah, so true. I mean, when when you're speaking, when I'm speaking to businesses, when I'm speaking to companies, often we'll we'll think about the numbers. So we'll think about the metrics like we need to be doing, we need to be generating this many leads, or we need to be do, made doing this many outreaches via call, via email, we need to make sure we hit this quota. And to do that, all our team members need to be doing X, they need to be do, doing Y, we need to be doing Z. But we never actually think 
or, or certainly I'm guilty of not thinking about the the actual person there and actually thinking mm-hmm. how how well are they actually are are they okay to do this today um are they well, in a position where they can do so yeah no you're, you're you're totally right and I think we that's where kind of we have a mis- misconception within how we're managing quote unquote the health of our sales pipeline we have you know we have things like input metrics that we call so things like how many dollars are being made how many emails are being sent you know what's the conversion rate of like meetings to demos and and so forth and then you have yeah. output, and then you have output metrics you know length of sales cycles amount of revenue being closed churn rates and then based off of these two kind of buckets we say okay where do we need more training where do we need more coaching where do we need more volume metrics but the problem is is if you think about it in reality both of those categories are actually output metrics and the real input metrics are how anxious is the rep did they sleep well what's their self-esteem like are they eating right and two when they encounter stressful situations like deals falling through, getting rejected, missing target, do they have the resilience, the EQ, and the mental health training to navigate those situations in a mentally healthy way to start an upward spiral instead of a downward spiral? So that's where it's, we need to take a shift backwards. And someone in my LinkedIn community kind of helped me create this term. It's really the sales enablement of well-being, where that's where you really want to focus on the input metrics, the health of the rep that's going to drive all these output metrics that we care about. Yeah. And on that note, in your opinion, Jeff, how how much would you rate performance if you could? I know this is a bit of a strange one, but if you could say a percentage like if um, of your health, and you mentioned earlier, the health of your brain, your mental well-being, how much of an impact do you think that actually has on a reps or a business owner's performance? Um, so you mentioned like lack of sleep or things like mm-hmm. that. So if I know the amount of times I've woken up through either lack of sleep, especially with having a young child, um, and then trying to do all the tasks you've got to, to do for the day, it just feels like almost twice twice the work as normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so still trying, like part of what I'm trying to do is find those organizations that are open to really measuring, you know, what's the, if we improve sleep and if we improve, if we lower anxiety, lower burnout, what's the direct impact on like sales KPIs? So that's something I'm working on and with, with various organizations right now to actually find those hard numbers. But at, at a high level, if you think about workplace mental health in general, there's some really good data out there already. Just it's looking at for the World Health Organization, for example, they're showing that every $1 invested into scaled up treatment for common mental health disorders, so think about anxiety, depression, burnout in the workplace, there's a $4 return on increased productivity productivity and well-being. So that's crazy. Like if you think about that, just like overall, let's say those numbers are accurate and they apply yeah. to sales, you could potentially 4X the productivity of your team. And I don't know a single sales enablement technology or a single sales co- strategy or coaching session that could potentially 4x your 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 sales team right now. So that's where I see kind of the next five, 10 years going forward. Um, there's really a diminishing returns on consistently buying new technology to speed up and improve sales performance. And now kind of where I see the biggest opportunity for organizations to capitalize on performance is this new idea, the sales enablement and well-being, the health of health and mental health of a rep, the resilience training. So yeah. That's where I see the direction going for organizations to really start maximizing and exponentially grow the performance of their team. Yeah, and and those are some some mad numbers, but it makes sense, right? I mean, ultimately, if if you feel good in yourself, if you feel good health in in your health, your well being, and your your mental well being, you're going to perform, right? Because you're gonna you're gonna feel upbeat, you're gonna feel positive. Um, so it, it does make sense. I mean, in terms of um, actually checking in, so if we've whether we've got a small team, whether we've got a big team, it 
to me, it's certainly, Jeff, I, I know I'd feel quite difficult trying to kind of going up to one of my team members and just saying, look, how are you mentally today? Is is there a way to, we can approach this in a, a friendly manner so we, we don't sound like we're, we're being blunt and just saying, how are you men- how's your mental health today? But we can actually go up to them as another human, be be a, be affectionate, be show that we really care how they're doing. Is is there a strategy or is is it just like I said then? Well, it, it, I think it really starts with leadership. It starts with the sales leaders. It starts with the founders, the CEOs, the VPs. It starts with people that are managing and caring for these teams. And, you know, when you get into these leader, leadership positions, you it, it's very easy to start thinking that we should be less vulnerable. We have to be that superhero and that person that's mm. perfect all the time. When it's actually the, the opposite is true. Like, you know, people want to work for someone who's vulnerable, who's open to sharing. So it really starts with leadership. Yep. to start saying, you know, opening up, sharing their experience with mental health and sales, sharing how they're feeling on a regular basis, being vulnerable and, and and going deep with their team. Like this is kind of like the new workplace that we're, especially right now, people are looking to have these conversations. What I'm seeing is like when we have one conversation with an organization on mental health and sales, it's just like, it's like lighting a match. Then everyone is like, thank you for creating a safe space. We've wanted to have these. And you start learning and building deeper relationships with each other. Um, so yeah, it starts with leadership for sure. In terms of, you know, how do you have these conversations on an ongoing basis? I think, you know, in weekly one-on-ones leaders are always asking this question of how are you doing this week? Like, and, and it's kind of like this vague question of how you're doing. Yeah. And very few of us know how to answer this. So it's like, oh, I'm fine or I'm doing okay, or I'm tired this week. But something that's, that I, this really helped me with the, having these conversations is really improving our emotional literacy. And right, right now, a lot of us are emotionally illiterate. We can identify some of the stronger emotions like anger or sadness or joy. But when you start kind of trying to get into kind of more of those fine-tuning emotions, more sensitive emotions that we we deal with, maybe be feeling disconnected from work or feeling lonely. Like those are the types of conversations that you can have. So there's a resource on Sales Health Alliance that's focused on emotional literacy that's essentially a big wheel of emotions. And when you say... How are you doing this week? I think a good exercise is for leaders to go first and say, well, here are some of the emotions that I'm feeling and work on identifying the different, more unique, more sensitive emotions that you're feeling. And then have that conversation with the rep where they identify some of the emotions they're feeling because that's where those conversations really break down. You say things like, oh, I'm anxious this week or I'm angry, but it doesn't, when you say it, you're like, you know, I, I feel angry, but it's not exactly how I'm feeling. It means that you haven't identified the right emotion. So really improving your emotional literacy is, is a really good way to help kind of build that connection and have more informed discussions with each other. Yeah, got it. And from what you said there, it sounds like the, the leader's opening up first. So actually saying, look, rather than just the, the general, how are you today? How are you this week? They're actually saying, look, I'm, I'm feeling this way. And mm-hmm. I think it might be because of this. And then that's encouraging the, the member of your team to open up because they've, they've shared first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're, you're totally right. And I think sort of building on that, specifically within sales, there's a lot of there's a lot of trigger events that happen, whether it's like losing a deal you were really counting on or missing your target just barely yep. after a tough grind. Like a lot of us sales leaders, you know, we get anxious when we feel our reps kind of feeling down, feeling depressed. And when we feel anxious, our, our, our default mode is usually to quickly jump into problem solving, problem solving, problem solving. Like, here's how you get back on track. Here's how you, and we start proposing solutions and all of these different things. And that's really counterproductive to what that rep needs 
during that moment. What they need is they need to know that someone is listening and someone understands. So that's a really good opportunity for a leader to say, hey, like I noticed that you lost that big deal and you invested three months into trying to close it. Like that's how it happened to me a bunch of times during my career. And this is how it's made me feel. And here's how I got past it. But I'm here to listen and kind of just kind of sort through how you're feeling first. And if you want me to help kind of work with you to put together a plan to re rebound, I can help you with that too. But ultimately sharing that you care, sharing that you understand what they're going through is the first step. Yep. Such a, such a crucial topic. And I, I like the the fact that you, you, you're mentioning that leaders are picking up when their teams have perhaps lost a, a deal they've been working on for a long time, which is probably going to be quite quite often the case in enterprise selling where you're working months on these these large scale deals and not everything is going to going to win right especially in mm -hmm. sales most of the time you you lose more than you win um depending on the size of your pipeline so it's something we we've got to get used to and bringing this to a, to a recent event i can say for sure in january i set myself a, a reasonably high target and i didn't hit that until the last day literally the very last working day of the month and i was stressing out big time as I, I, I looking back it's like why did i stress so much but when <laughs> when you're in business when you're in sales you you kind of set yourself these high targets for whatever reason whether it's you need you want to do something personally you want to do something with family or you want to go away somewhere or you want to set a bit aside for a house or whatever you're planning to do with the, the funds mm -hmm. and the amount of stress you put on yourself is insane i can say that because i do it to myself i put give myself a very very hard time to hit these targets yeah um and then if i don't i i honestly feel really down for for a good day or so um and the same when i know a lot of sales sales trainers will say um kind of leave, leave emotion out of the equation which which is 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 something you perhaps should do at stages but it's easier said than done mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> no well i i i actually disagree with like the the statement that a lot of is kind of advised is like keep emotions out of sales it's like no, like that's not what we should be doing because when we like when we take emotion out of sales and we start focusing on this number, mm. like it becomes meaningless. And that's how we become disconnected from work. Like emotions show like if we really feel hurt after losing a big deal, it means that we really cared. And that's really important. So it's not that we need to take emotions out of sales. We need to start learning how to better cope with emotions and use them to our advantage and navigate these difficult situations in a healthy way as opposed to just pushing them away because I, I don't know about you I don't think I've ever kind of been resilient or persevered or been gritty for something that I haven't been emotionally connected to like emotions is is why we're motivated to keep working why we're motivated to keep selling so if you are telling salespeople and you're telling people on your team to you know push those emotions away you're actually being counterproductive and you're going to have disengaged teams going forward. But it's interesting. I'm always curious to kind of hear like what on sort of those tough months where you've missed, like what do you do in those kind of one or two days to kind of get hard reset and get yourself ready for the next month? Because it's, it's hard sometimes in sales. It is tough, isn't it? I mean, casting my mind back, I mean, when I've lost some of my bigger deals, um, well, this this was back when I was in the office. I I quite often pick up stuff and chuck it, depending on the size of the deal and depending on um, how how hard I'd worked on it. I'd go pretty mad, dude. I'd be cussing, swearing, chucking stuff yeah. about for about <laughs> half an hour, and then realizing it's not the end of the world, and um, just just trying to relax and calm down. Maybe going for a run, maybe going to the gym, maybe taking the dog out, whatever it yeah, was yeah, to, yeah. to kind of um, cast my mind elsewhere. Um, right. 
But yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to know from your end, Jeff, what we can do when, because not everything's going to go away in business and sales, as we know, um, we're, we're often going to lose more than we win. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the, the things you recommend we do to kind of overcome these really stressful situations that business owners, that sales professionals really do put themselves under um, to mm-hmm. hit these these targets? Yeah, so I think, honestly, I think one of the best things you can do is, is and you know, this is probably going to sound foreign to a lot of sales, salespeople and sales leaders, but just like we have an objection handle to respond to, you know, different objections that buyers throw at us, we should really be equipping our teams and equipping ourselves with rejection handles or missing target plans and handles. And the reason why I say this is because there's a lot of research that shows uh, one one psychologist in particular, Robert Epstein, he did uh, he did a massive kind of survey, 30,000 people across I think 10 different countries. And what he found was the most effective way to low, to reduce stress was for people to have a plan. That's why to-do lists are really good is if you feel can kind of think about those objections and those obstacles before they happen, they make you feel in control, which is really important to your kind of mental health and your well-being. But too often when we don't, like to acknowledge that failure happens in sales. We don't like to acknowledge that rejection happens. So we've never really created a plan, but simply having a plan that you can follow a step-by-step process to say, okay, when I miss target, here are the three or four things that I'm going to do to make sure that I'm responding logically and rationally rather than emotionally is absolutely critical. Going back to how how you responded to those situations. It's like, yeah, you responded with anger. You responded (laughs) with like these different things. And those are very emotional reactions, but instead, like, instead think about what if you had kind of like, okay, this negative event just happened. Here is my step process of what I need to do next. And for me, one of the things that I always recommend being step one in every kind of, whether it's a rejection handle or plan to miss your target, the first step should always be assuming positive intent. So always, always assume positive intent in the people and the engagements that you interact with. Because when a deal blows out, or we miss target, we're usually missing, there's usually incomplete information. So we don't necessarily know why someone isn't buying and we don't necessarily know why they were rude on the phone. Sure. And our, and our brain absolutely hates that. It makes us feel out of control when there's incomplete data. So what it does is it naturally starts creating a story in our head. Our brains love to find patterns. So it starts filling in these gaps in knowledge but with things like blaming the rep. Or, or sorry, blaming the person you're speaking to or judging them being, oh, that person was just such a, such a, such a mean person, such an, such an ass, like such a jackass. And we yep. start filling in those pieces with very negative stories that are going to carry over to our next call and make us just change our not change our mindset towards all these different things. But when you assume positive intent and you say, well, maybe they're just doing their best, or maybe they're just anxious and didn't know how to tell me that this wasn't the right time for me. Like staying in that positive intent and always assuming positive intent you can change the story to make sure that it's coming from a more curious and more compassionate place to start saying, okay, well, what did happen here? What can I learn from this? And that's absolutely critical to responding and keeping that positive, positive mindset going forward. Yeah, really, really like that. And definitely I'm, I'm certainly guilty of that. So like you say, quite often, well, not, not always, but sometimes when you're speaking to, to prospects and you think a deal is about to come in, then they give you a, a reason. They might say they've gone for another vendor or mm-hmm. they've postponed it or they didn't have the budget or whatever the reason was. 
then um, the amount of times I've told myself something in my head, the reason why they did it, when it's probably completely different. I mean, they've probably got something going on in their world that's far more important than the deal we've been discussing. And there's probably a lot of situations out of our own control. Um, and then, like you say, all this head trash you, you tell yourself, whereas you could just flip it mm-hmm. to assume they're actually trying to help you. And that's probably going to put you in a better place, which which I like. Yeah. Um, and I would just sort of one thing I would add to this and just for salespeople to think about as well is like really start thinking about the like keeping the mental health of the buyer in, in mind when you're kind of having your interactions. Like if you've gone through a sales pitch and you've brought up this, this massive blind spot or this challenge that's going to cost them X amount of dollars and they lose X amount of time, like we do these things. And if you think about it, that's a really anxiety driven call to be after you get off like a really good demo that's like, wow, I got this really big problem to solve. And then compound that by them having to go and try and sell internally with, you know, tr- who, who may or may not have sales experience themselves to try and push this through. Mm. Like, that's a really difficult situation for anyone to be put in to be, here's this big bomb. Here's this big thing that's going to, you know, impact our lives if we don't change it. Now I have, I, I might not necessarily have the skills to kind of influence the people internally. So salespeople really need to keep that in mind and really kind of look at that as, you know, how can I make them feel a little more confident? How can I really equip the buyer internally to sell more effectively, whether it's bringing me in on future calls, but it's acknowledging saying, Hey, like at the end of the demo, Hey, I know this is a really big ask, but you know, I don't want you to feel anxious when you're talking to your peers internally. Like this is my area of expertise. Like maybe include, maybe there's a way to include me on a future call to make you feel more comfortable and more confident bringing this up. So it goes both ways. Not only think about yourself, but also think about the, things that you're doing to your buyer that may or may not impact their mental health as well. <clears throat> like that. That's that's a pro little sales tip there in terms of under, understanding the challenges that your buyer may face mm-hmm. and acknowledging those, telling them that you acknowledge it. And I guess they'll, that that will help up in terms of building trust, Jeff, it sounds like in building that, earning their respect and perhaps even helping you win your, or bump up your chances of winning the deal. 100%. And I think that's something that I've had to learn as well, just from like the the conversations I have with organizations is when they reach out and they're saying, you know, you know, how do I have this conversation? It's very much like they're new to this too. Like this is a, like, I'm still trying to figure out, they're still trying to figure it out, but it's just like, how do you collaborate more to acknowledge that this is like a sensitive topic that's, you know, creates change and we don't, there's a lot of uncertainty around in it, but you know, how do we work on this together and support each other going through this? And, and that's been like a huge thing for me to, at least from my own sales standpoint, it's like acknowledging that and kind of bringing that to the forefront to kind of, like you said, build that trust to say, you know, let's work on this together rather than you're on your own type of thing. Yeah. 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 I really like that. Business Growth Show is sponsored by Vidyard. In today's digital world, getting the attention of key prospects can be a tricky task. Emails and phone calls are often ignored and meeting up in person is rarely an option. And that's exactly why tools like Vidyard have become so effective. Vidyard is a free app that makes it easy to record and send custom video messages that truly stand out and generate more responses. It's a great way to introduce yourself, to showcase your personality, and to create a more personal connection from your very first outreach. You can sign up for your own free account today at vidyard.com forward slash BGS to start sending your very own video messages. That's vidyard.com forward slash BGS. The show is also sponsored by Web Choice. Are you tired of hunting for clients? 
You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending money on marketing, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of leads and sales. Want to learn more about WebChoice's unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you? Book a free digital marketing assessment today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. So you mentioned we, we should assume positive intent when we when we get declined by uh, our prospects, by potential deals. You also mentioned there's perhaps three to four things that we should set out as a plan with uh, if a deal doesn't go our way, if we don't hit target, if we don't hit the goal that we're going for, for that month, for that quarter, for that year. Are there any examples, Jeff, of, of what those three to four things could look like? Yeah, so it's different for everybody. Like, you know, self-care is very personalized. There's going to be people that like going for runs. There's going to be people that absolutely hate going for runs. There's going to be people that like meditating. There's going to be people that hate meditating. And there's other people that, you know, use therapy as a way to, you know, kind of get that mental fitness, that mental, do that mental work with a trainer on a, on a regular basis. And some people prefer to, you know, read books and go through that on their own. So that's where it's kind of like a plan needs to be custom built and unique to you, I guess, to kind of build off sure. of that first first point. Um, I learned this from Ryan Bailey. He's doing like a lot of really good stuff over at a company called Dream Fuel. After you kind of assume positive intent, you want to say out loud, best thing that could have happened. It's a way to kind of help shut down that stress response, but really say it with like confidence and gumption, no matter what happened, best thing that should have, that could have happened. And what that means is that you engage another sense, you engage your hearing, you're out of your head, and it kind of like stops your brain momentarily from jumping to that negative mode, be like, wait, best thing that could happen? Like, what does that mean? And then you follow that with, I now learn, I now know X, or I just learned Y. So change it to the focusing. So if someone blew out, well, I now know that I need to focus on a different point of contact for this learning, for this organization. Or I just learned that, you know, the opening of my pitch needs to be a little stronger, and I should probably practice more. So focusing on best thing that could happen, followed by I just learned X or I now know Y is a really good kind of framework to work off of. And then finally, sort of the last step is 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 an, using an acronym called HALT. Are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? By going through this kind of quick little checklist, you want to kind of have that built into your plan so you can essentially see if any of those basic needs are not being met right now before you carry on to your next deal, your next call, your next meeting, make sure that you're not hungry, you're not tired, you're not lonely, you're not angry, and really kind of do a quick self-assessment to make sure that you're in a good kind of physical and head, physical space and good headspace before continuing. So you want to do that little mental health check in there as well. Yeah, love all those points. And yeah, I like, I like the fact about saying it out loud, really. So this is the best thing that could have happened. And this is what I've learned from the deal. And like you say, not every not every project that you've perhaps lost at that time means that you've lost it forever. Mm-hmm. So if you can remain upbeat, if you can remain positive, and if you can actually continue to be a useful resource to to your potential buyer, what's to say that they they may not come back to you in the future if you keep that relationship strong rather than blowing off steam, perhaps even cussing them down the phone, or even worse, hanging up on them, whatever it may be then you're just going to chuck your chances down the drain, right? If you react in the moment, which is sometimes easier said than done. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's like, I think that's why that first step is so important is it also just, it keeps you curious and it keeps you compassionate rather than defensive jump judgmental or trying to blame someone. It 
keeps that open mind to kind of keep perspective on reflecting on the situation and going back to CK, what are some of the other kind of mini cues that I may have missed or should probably pick up on what's telling a bigger story and, you know, where, how can I problem solve this? Cause you're right. It's like, once we kind of get emotional, we get angry, we kind of lose that ability to problem solve and think logically. And at that stage, it's going to be very hard to save that account or save that deal from ever closing in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And in terms of building up our resilience, Jeff, so as we as we've mentioned throughout this throughout this episode, rejection is a big part of business, big part of sales, especially if you're an SDR, if you're a rep that's that's got a cold call to earn appointments, or you've got to do some form of cold cold outreach. Then big part of your day is is going to be speaking to people and and having rejections until you eventually get get those meetings booked. Um, what are some of the things that we need to be aware of? Some of the things that can perhaps help us stay positive throughout. The, our day-to-day where, where we're constantly getting getting rejections and, and negative responses from our potential buyers yeah so i think the biggest thing so there's like all sorts of different tips and tricks and we'd probably need three four hours to kind of go through <laughs> this conversation in in depth but i think kind of like the biggest thing that uh, i think a lot of salespeople kind of forget about is you really want to like treat yourself like a, a corporate athlete that needs to show up and perform every single day and just like an athlete needs to kind of keep their body and their mind in peak performance every single day they salespeople need to do the same thing keep their mind and body in peak performance but with an athlete if you think about it what they do is they put their body into physical strain and then they have follow that by a recovery period where their body can rest recover and get, get build strength and get stronger so that's something that we're really missing in sales quite frequently is matching a high mental strain day by not providing a high mental recovery day. So that's where it's really important to have really strong boundaries with your with your work, treating self-care like a daily multivitamin that you take daily as opposed to once every week or once every two weeks or hell, maybe even once every, once every month. You really wanna build in those mental recoveries every single day. And if you've had a very stressful day with lots of rejection, if you've had a big presentation that had you nervous or anxious, you gotta make sure that you have your recovery periods built in. Like, for example, with with this podcast, like doing podcast public speaking, that still makes me nervous. It's outside my comfort zone. So after every podcast, after every presentation I do on my calendar, I literally have an hour that's just pure recovery to help me kind of reset, do some self-care, do some meditation to help me kind of reset before I go forward. Because if I start banging out these kind of these 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 public speaking engagements and these 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 different things are outside my comfort zone it's a very easy way for me to burn out so it's really important to kind of match those high mental strain days with high mental recovery days i like that i really like the comparison of of the athlete and the fact that i'm guilty this for sure i mean the amount of times recently where i've just banged out meeting after meeting or call after call and then looked at the time and it was two nearly three p.m and i thought i've not even had lunch yet no wonder i'm starting to get a bit agitated because i'm hungry for one i'm probably thirsty probably mm. need to take a break from this seat and staring at a screen and uh back-to-back zoom calls so that's something i'm, I'm certainly guilty of and but should that, definitely yeah yeah no you're you're, you're totally right and that's the problem right it's like when we're when we start kind of moving into distress and our mental health starts to suffer what we need to do is often not what we want to do so when we're kind of going back to back meetings, what we're going to want to do in that situation is I just want to respond to one more email. Or I just want to get this one more thing out. Yep. But in fact, what you need to do is take a break, go for a 10, 15 minute walk, 
maybe do a 10 minute meditation. But in those situations, what you need to do is just like so undesirable. And this is the last thing you want to do, but it's kind of building that awareness to say, determining between the difference of what you want versus what you need and really kind of investing that little bit of willpower into something you need to start to stop that kind of downward spiral to start moving in the other direction. Yeah. And I guess it's almost making it a habit, right, Jeff? So like I said, I'm terrible at it. So I'm exactly what you described on a tin there. So I'm like, oh, it's 3 p.m. Should probably eat. But if I did, if I respond to this one email, if I do this one more call, then I don't have to do it later and it might not drag on later when really I know that if I took that break, if I had something to eat, if I had a drink, maybe went for a walk with a dog or whatever I, I could do outside, I'd probably feel a lot more refreshed and I'd get a lot more done when I was back at my desk and back at the office. But it's it's keeping that in mind, right? It's like keeping that to be like, like my, it's being aware that my performance of crafting this email, it's going to take me longer. It's going to be less effective. I'm just spinning my wheels. So it's really not helping me. Like, and I don't know if you've been in these situations where you've, you've been stuck on a problem and you actually listen to what your body needs and you go for that walk. And all of a sudden you come to the solution because you've given your 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 mind time to wander yeah. and kind of brainstorm and like connect Definitely. thoughts together. So that's where it's really, really important to kind of make sure that you're aware of what you need versus what you want and really trying as much as possible to say, I need to do this because it's going to, whatever I'm doing now, what I want is not going to be helping me from a performance standpoint yeah and it's on on that note i mean i've the amount of times I've, I've had ideas for things like content or what i'm going to put on the podcast or the youtube channel whilst i've gone for a walk whilst i've gone for a run whilst i'm away from technology it's, it's unbelievable the ideas that just seem to come to mind and you've you've raised a good point like the amount of times where we've perhaps had a, a conflict with a customer or i've had an agitated email from a potential client and then at the time, I'm really heated, I'm really angry. And then I think I could reply to this email. But I know it's not going to come across right if I type it now whilst I'm in the heat of the moment. And I've left it for a day, come back refresh in the morning, my mindset was completely different. I realized the issue isn't as bad as I thought. Um, so sometimes, like you say, it's just taking that time and understanding that, that you need to need to have that break or whatever it is to, to take yeah. your mind off it. Yeah. And, and that's where having that plan is is really effective. Because like, you know, maybe it, following your kind of natural process right now, maybe you kind of need to sleep on it and you need that, you know, 12, 24 hours to kind of cool down from it. But mm. maybe try next time if you have that plan where you have that, you know, follow that positive intent, you focus on what you're learning, you kind of immediately build in that, you know, 20 minute period where you get your heart rate up and do some skipping or go for a quick run or take the dogs for a walk. Maybe you can actually become more resilient and bounce back from that event way quicker than 12 hours or 24 hours to help you respond to that email a little quicker. So that's kind of the, the stuff that I'm talking about. Brilliant stuff, Jeff. Is there anything you want to wrap up with before we, before we close things off in terms of any other things that we need to be aware of right now, especially in the current environment with a lot of people working from home or any other ending notes you'd like to leave with us? Yeah, like I think it's just I think it's just important to acknowledge that, you know, this pandemic, I think the silver lining of all of it has it's really created a unique moment in time where people are more compassionate to each other. People are willing and more are wanting to be more vulnerable in the workplace. And it's important to kind of capitalize on this moment because there's a lot of people struggling working from home. We've all experienced this really intense change or change in our lives and as workplaces and leaders, we need to match that intense strain with 
the same intense intensity of support. And the other thing I would say to that is it's look like, you know, this pandemic has been hard on everyone and this has kind of given us something to rally around and like I said, build all this compassion. But if you think about mental health, mental health and people struggling with anxiety and emotions and vulnerability, that was happening before the pandemic took place. It's going to happen long after the pandemic has stopped. So this is a great opportunity to use this as momentum to start kind of having these conversations around mental health and sales and mental health in the workplace in a more productive and a more supportive fashion. So if there's any companies or sales leaders out there that are kind of inspired by this conversation, just, you know, you can hit me up at saleshealthalliance.com and we can hopefully um, put together a session or a five-week program for, for your sales team. Brilliant, Jeff. Really appreciate what you're doing and um, really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing um, useful useful ideas with both myself and, and everyone tuning in. But yeah, please please do tell us. You hinted on it then. Um, but what are the best channels, the best platforms where we can learn more about yourself and how we can connect with, with yourself and your business, please? Yeah. Uh, so LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. If you, if, if you like, I'm try to post four or five times a week, just kind of providing kind of little snippets to help keep the conversation going. Uh, with Sales Health Alliance, like the website, I Created to created it to be a resource first, business second. So there's roughly 100 pieces of content up there, just re, you know, really tactical, tactical, tangible things you can start doing. So you just need to kind of search resilient mindset or how do I bounce back from rejection, and you'll usually find some pretty good podcasts or pieces or content that will help you. So check out there. You can contact me via that way, or you can always just send me an email at jeff at saleshealthalliance.com as well. So any any of that works. Really appreciate it, Jeff. And we will put all those links on the episode show notes over at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, thanks once again, Jeff. We were, we really appreciate everyone tuning in. So if, if you enjoy the show, be sure to hit subscribe for Business Growth Show, wherever the heck you get your podcast from. We interview business leaders each and every week to provide actionable tips across marketing, sales, all to grow your business. And we shall catch you on the next episode.